Lord was on me, and he brought me out of by the Spirit of the living Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these flame, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. And I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Good morning. Do any of you ever have any difficult times in your life? No. No, none of us do, right? We never have a time where things just aren't going right, or maybe somebody says or does something mean to you, or um, maybe somebody gets sick or hurt, and it's just hard, right? Well, that's what happens in the Bible sometimes, too. And um, I brought something. And I'm wondering if anybody can tell me what this is. Anybody know what this is? A rock? Mm, it's a little squishier than a rock. What? A sponge? No. Hmm? It is not clay. A round paper towel rolled up? Cheese? No. Hmm? 
Well, I'll tell you what. Door number two. How about this? All right. This is a cookie. It's a cookie. It's a chocolate chip cookie. And this is chocolate chip cookie dough. Now, this cookie dough isn't much good this way except to eat, which you're not supposed to do because of the eggs in it. So don't eat the cookie dough. Don't eat the cookie dough. But this cookie dough can't be what it's supposed to be until I do something else to it. I have to put it in a hot oven. Now, if this cookie dough could talk, do you think it would tell me that it wanted to go in that hot oven? Do you think it would be happy to go in that hot oven? Probably not. I mean, do you want to go into a hot oven? On a nice cold day, it might not feel so bad, but not one that's that hot. So this cookie dough has to go through a really difficult thing. It has to go into the oven in order for it to become what it's supposed to be. Right? And that's kind of like us. Sometimes things are hard. And we have to go through difficult things to get to where God needs us to be. So that we can be what God needs us to be. I'm going to put that down before I get it all over everything. Um, and I was thinking about the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus is a is a friend of Jesus. And he's sick. And his sisters say, hey, go get Jesus. He's a healer. He, can, he does miracles. He can, he can heal Lazarus and make him better. And Jesus doesn't come. And that's kind of like us. When we pray, and we pray, Lord, heal us. Fix this situation. Bring joy, whatever. And we don't get the answers that we want. It's like, God, are you up there? Hello? I'm down here and I'm asking nicely. But Jesus didn't go right away. He waited until after Lazarus was dead. And not only just dead, but in the tomb a couple of days dead. Now, I'm sure that when Jesus did show up, the sisters were not too happy. And the people were not too happy. They'd been saying, where, where have you been? You know, we thought you liked him. You know, why didn't you come and help us? Like we thought you liked us. But it had to go through the proper channel. It had to happen this way so that Jesus could give glory to God. God wasn't done with Lazarus yet. And God isn't done with us. But Jesus called Lazarus out of that tomb, raised him from the dead, so that everyone could see God's glory. When we go through difficult times, it's hard for us to understand why God sometimes says no. Right? Yes. You already had a cookie, I know. What are you looking for now? Put it back in the floor now. Dang. <laughs> All right. So anyway, God doesn't always give us what we want when we want it, but He always gives us what we need when we need it, and He always is working to give God the honor and the glory. And so 
we need to remember that when things get difficult, God hasn't abandoned us. He's just fixing us. Kind of like gold through the refiner's fire. Gold isn't gold until it's been heated up and melted down and processed. And our cookie dough can't be a cookie until it's been baked in the fire. So sometimes those trials and difficult times make it hard for us. But, 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 who can help us? Um, Jesus. That's right. Jesus can help us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that Jesus can do wonderful things. We thank you that he loves us and that you love us. Love us. Yes, you love us. And we thank you that you're with us even when times are difficult. Difficult. And we thank you that you always bring glory to God. To God. Amen. And amen. Okay. I wear that? No, you're not going to wear it because you're going to turn it off now. Let's pray. Lord, in the beginning, you breathed the breath of life into human beings, and we ask that you will continue to breathe that life into us now as we learn from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There have been a lot of deaths in families in this church this year. Um, Lots. I know that Barbara's family has experienced it, and David's, and Sam's, and mine, Paul's brother, and Paul's mom is actually approaching the end of her life as well. And this is, um, these times are sad and serious, and we all have to face them. We've also experienced death in our church over the last couple of years, um, two especially significant deaths, Kathleen Bond and Nancy Jolin, and death affects all of us, and it is not something that we like to talk about, especially in American society. Um, death is not polite conversation. Um, We have a hard time even saying the word when somebody dies. We talk about them passing or something like that, and that's fine. But but death is a reality, and we all face it. You've heard the phrase, I'm sure, none of us gets out of here alive. But what if we could get out of here alive? What if we actually all start off dead? But there were a way for us, even if our bodies die, to get out of here truly alive. We have this passage today from Ezekiel 37, and it's the famous passage of Ezekiel's vision of dry bones in this valley. We, it's a pretty famous story. I feel like we talked about it sometime last year. I can't remember when or why. Um, we sing about it frequently. What is the story? of the dry bones in Ezekiel. What, what, what is it, and what does it mean? That's perfect. <laughs> okay, for those of you who are online and didn't hear that, it's a way to get your son to read the Bible when you tell him that zombies are in it. That's how my, my mom got me to read The Lord of the Rings, by telling me trees talk in it. Um, yes. 
So that is, we're actually going to talk about zombies. Yes. So tell me some more about this Valley of Dry Bones vision. Okay, it is a prophecy of the resurrection. There's some other stuff going on here. Um, what happens in it? Yeah. Yes. So there's a whole bunch of bones everywhere, and God tells the prophet to prophesy to them, and they come together, and all the body parts come together. Yeah. It's a really weird story. So Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a really weird prophet. All the prophets are kind of weird. This guy, he has these visions that are huge and sweeping and mysterious, and he has to use words like, it had the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, or something like that, because you just can't, he can't express in fully in words what he is seeing. Interestingly, we're talking about, um, we're talking about death, we're talking about the valley of the shadow of death. Last week, we talked about Samuel, the prophet Samuel, and we talked about the anointing of King David, and I said, David knew that with God shepherding him, his soul could find rest even when he ended up stumbling into the valley of the shadow of death a time or two. Whatever we think the valley of the shadow of death means, it gets a whole new level in Ezekiel's vision. It's a valley, and it, there is death everywhere. This is Lent. We're almost at the end of Lent. On Ash Wednesday, which is the first day of Lent, people remember their mortality. A lot of people remember their mortality by going to a church, usually a Catholic church, and getting ashes placed on their forehead in the shape of a cross. And the, the point of that practice is to remind them that from dust you are and to dust you will return. And that doesn't seem like, a, to some of us, probably doesn't seem like a very Christian thing to do, except it is actually in the Bible. <laughs> that um, God made us out of dust, and we are going to return to dust, and it's important, I think, sometimes to face that and, and consider our lives in light of that fact. And as we approach Easter, or as I prefer to call it, Resurrection Sunday, because Easter is actually a pagan goddess, sort of, um, it's important to face the ultimate enemy of humanity, which is death. Because that's what the whole Easter or resurrection story is really about. So let's get into this valley of the shadow of death with Ezekiel. And we're going to recap his vision a little bit more. Um, if you can, not everybody's imagination works this way, but if you can, imagine it with your five senses. Because this is sometimes it's really great to read the Bible just for not necessarily for content, that's important, but also noticing how it's written. The way this vision is written is fantastic. So, because you can really picture it, and you can hear it. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. So picture this. We don't know. Ezekiel has lots of visions or experiences that sound kind of like maybe out-of-body experiences, or maybe God, he was in exile with 
the people of God. And, but there's a lot of things that he sees and experiences that happen in Jerusalem. And so did God like take him physically and plunk him in Jerusalem for a little bit and then put him, bring him back? We don't know. But whatever, however God works with this guy, he's doing it again. He's putting him in this valley. And it sounds like it's a pretty big valley and maybe not a real place. And it's not like God just puts him there and says, look, see all this deadness? Okay, now speak to it right now. He doesn't fix it right away. He makes sure the prophet really notices what's around him. Everything is dead. And he, God leads him back and forth among all these dead bones. So he's not just standing in one place. He's getting the full horror or depressedness or gloom or hopelessness of this scene. He is having to look at it and spend time in it and pay attention to it. And he notices, as he's doing this, that the bones are very dry. This means these bodies have been dead a long time. There's nothing left on them. They're just bones. There's no muscle material. There's no, like, remaining squishy <laughs> parts that make us human. There's nothing. It's gone. They're very dry. And then God asks, Son of man, can these bones live? We know now they can. Is this a trick question? <laughs> Ezekiel's a smart guy. He says, Sovereign Lord, so he's acknowledging that God is sovereign, God is king, God is in charge, God can do anything. You alone know. This is a really faith-filled answer. We don't, a lot of times we talk about faith in specific outcomes. But our faith as Christians is intended to be in God. The outcome is actually sort of secondary. We don't need to have faith in a specific outcome so much as we need to have faith in God himself and what God is going to do and that God is going to fulfill his purpose and glorify himself for our good. And so this is like Ezekiel's answer is sort of saying, Based on what I see here, which you've taken the time to show me, that all the, there's a ton of bones here and they're all super dry, um, the answer to your question is no, but you're here. And I doubt you're asking this for no reason, so I guess they could. Right? Only God knows. From a human standpoint, absolutely impossible. There's nothing left to these things except bones. Okay. Let's shift perspectives here. We were just with Ezekiel and God, but now imagine that you are one of the skeletons lying on the valley floor, and you are not, you've got nothing left on you. You're just bones, and your bones aren't even connected to each other. You can't do anything. You're just lying there. This could be sometimes how some of us feel or have felt in our lives. Either this is us before we gave our lives to Jesus, or maybe Sometimes, even in our life with Jesus, we go through wilderness times. We've talked about that here. Or we go through a, a dark period. Sometimes we get sidetracked by sin. Sometimes it's our sin. 
sometimes it's somebody else's sin against us. Um, and we just feel like we're lying on a valley floor, all in pieces, nothing left, can't do anything. It's a horrible place to be, but it's actually also a great place to be because when we're in that place, that's when God can bring us to true life that comes directly from him. God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones and to tell them that God is going to bring them back to life. And he says, then you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel prophesies to the bones, which must have been weird, but he's, God's asked him to do a whole bunch of other weird things already, so, so maybe not. Um, and his description of what happens next is so great. As somebody who loves literature, this is some great literature. Because he talks about the sounds. Suddenly I heard it clattering. He doesn't just say, so I prophesied to the bones, and they all came back together, and suddenly there were people. No. He takes some time. There was a clattering sound. And then the bones started to join together. And then they were covered with flesh, which is like the organs, the, the muscle. And then the skin. But there's no breath. Which is interesting, because God said, prophesy to the bones, and they're all going to come back together, and they will have breath in them. All the things, everything's happened so far, but there's no breath. What's significant about breath? Life. Yeah. So there is, I mean, in the Bible it does say the life is in the blood, but there is also a Jewish understanding that life is found in the breath. And that comes from Genesis, where God forms a man out of the dirt and breathes the breath of life into him, and the man becomes a living soul. So, there are these bodies, and they're all put together, they have all the organs, everything's in the right place, but they have no breath. Without the breath of God, without the life of God, these bodies are just zombies. So, then God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain so they may live. Let's think about zombies here. Do any of us, so we just pictured ourselves as skeletons in pieces. Now, we're put together, we've got all the, all the pieces on, but have you ever tried to do something, anything, good things even, church things, ministry things, and not felt like, it just felt like you were kind of churning through molasses, you're just doing it all yourself, it's exhausting, there's no joy, there's no life in it. Have anybody ever, <laughs> I've had that experience, but I've been doing formal ministry for a while. Anyone know what that feels like? Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically all that would be possible for these things without the breath. Without the breath of life, without the Spirit of God empowering us, living through us, we're kind of spiritual zombies. 
zombies are kind of destructive. That's a side note that I that just popped into my head right now. <laughs> anyway, I don't think we want to be zombies. So God says, prophesy to the breath. The breath didn't come into them. Prophesy to it. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. When you are feeling in a dead spot, don't be discouraged. Don't beat yourself up. But pay attention to what's, why am I in this dead spot? Have I, have I sinned? Or am I reacting to some sin that's been done against me? Or is something else going on? And ask God again to renew his spirit's work in your life. Death versus breath. Breath from God is where we get life. Death is the first and last enemy of the human species. We sometimes think about Satan as the enemy, and sometimes I'll call Satan the enemy, or the demons, or whatever. Those are, those are our enemies. But the true, real, significant enemy of humankind is death. And it's not, it is physical death and also spiritual death. And we know this because God said when to the first man and the first woman, if you eat from this tree in the garden, only this tree, you will surely die. And death followed. Not instant physical death, but their spirits, something about their souls, died. And we see this throughout Scripture. You will surely die. The wages of sin is death. Death entered the world through sin. This is repeated over and over and over again. Death is not supposed to be part of the human experience. But because of sin, on one level, we'll, we're all born into a dead world. God is life, and God created a living, beautiful, wonderful, vibrant creation. And things are alive here. But we're born into death that the first humans started and which we perpetuate in our own choices and in the kind of the, the air we breathe around us. We all, on some level, start off dead. God says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord <clears throat> when I open your graves and bring you up from them. Sometimes I need to remind us, these passages are not written to us. They're written to the people of Israel in exile in this particular case. But they are written for us. So in some way, all of us as individuals at some point in our lives have been disjointed, dried up skeletons lying in a valley. And in some way, this church has also been that. So I'm going to ask a few questions. These are not to answer out loud. These are just to think about in your mind um, and kind of think about with Jesus, maybe. So silently, how have you, or maybe how do you, if this is a current experience for you, how have you felt dried up, hopeless, or cut off? 
if it's due to your own sin, what kind of help? And no, is there something you can do to make amends? And if it's due to someone else's sin, what kind of help do you need to forgive that sin? It would be great if the people that sinned against us would apologize, but that doesn't always happen. Um, We don't need to be stuck in the dead, dry bone valley of unforgiveness, though, whether they make amends or not. So what kind of help do you need to forgive that sin? How does it feel to hear God promise to open your grave? The dead places, the places where you're stuck due to your sin or someone else's sin or both. How does it feel to have God not just open the door so you could get out, but have God bring you up from that grave? Have God reach his hand in there and say, come on out, like he did with Lazarus. Jesus said in his first sermon, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The good news is that Jesus came to bring us life, full and abundant life by defeating death, giving us sight, setting us free. But just like the dry bones in the desert weren't actually alive, even when they had all their skin and muscles and organs in there, until Ezekiel called to the breath, we can't truly live free of our sin and the effects of others' sin until we are breathing the Spirit of God. And let me be clear. When you dedicate your life to Jesus Christ and you say that you're going to follow Jesus Christ, God's Spirit is there. But sometimes we have to, to, use these, to borrow these terms, we have to prophesy to the breath. Breath and spirit and wind in many languages have, are the same word. So we need to say, Holy Spirit, I want, I want you to breathe in me. I want you to be my breath. I want to live like Jesus. I need your help. We need to breathe the Spirit of God. God needs to be as close to us as our own breath. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord, God says, when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. We're waiting for Easter. We're waiting for the resurrection. After that, we're waiting for Pentecost. That's when the Holy Spirit came on the church for the first time in power. And we're waiting like we waited at Advent for the new heavens and the new earth. But also, God doesn't want us to be zombies. He wants to free us from death even here and now. Physical death will come to us all, but it does not have to overshadow our joy and our purpose. God has called us to live, and God has offered us his spirit so that we can. God will settle us as individuals and as a church in our own land, in a community where we can love and be loved, 
in ministry where we can flourish to help others to flourish. And then we will know that the Lord has spoken and has done it. And then we will begin to experience the resurrection even as we wait for the final resurrection. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, it's hard to think of resurrection. It's hard to think of life without death in some way because death is such a part of our experience. Um, even though we like to try to avoid thinking about it, it's tough. It is grief, and it grieves you, Lord. And so we pray that you will make us alive, standing up on our feet, together a strong army in the armor of God, breathing your breath and bringing your life to the world. In Jesus' name.